Hey friends, thank you guys so much for joining in on another episode of Cast the Word. Today we're starting part two of our past, present, and future series with a season titled Play and Pause. And our topic today is going to be discussing the story of salvation. Guys, thank you so much for joining us today as we embark on our new season. We just got done wrapping up part one of our past, present, and future series with our Rewind season. And in that season, if you missed any of the episodes, we discussed some classic Bible stories from the Old Testament. We discussed characters like Abraham and Sarah, Samson, Jonah, and Moses. And if you miss any of those episodes, please feel free to check them out. And today we are starting part two of our series where we're going to discuss the present in the past, present, and future model. And as I mentioned, this season is titled Play and Pause, and in this season we're going to be drawing inspiration from the New Testament and discussing where we live today in the church age. So as we start this new season and begin thinking about where we are in the present and what some important topics are for Christians today in the present, it seems logical to start at the beginning. And the beginning of every believer's journey as a Christian begins with salvation. But before we get started in today's episode, just a few announcements. If you're a new listener, I want to first thank you for joining in today, and I want to remind all listeners to subscribe to us wherever you listen to our podcast so that you are notified of future published episodes. Also, if you would like to join in on our mailing list, then you can do that as well by visiting our website at casttheword.com and scrolling to the bottom and entering in your email address. Our podcast ministry can now also be found on Instagram under the handle castthword, so if you have an Instagram page, feel free to follow us there as well. So with that being said, let's get started. As we read through the Bible, starting in the book of Genesis in the Old Testament, we discover within the first few chapters that man is a flawed creature. But we were not created to be flawed. God created us to live in perfect peace, and God created Adam and Eve to live in the Garden of Eden in perfection. But our Lord has created each and every one of us to have a thing called free will. And we are in complete control of the choices we make. And how many of us know that free will often gets us in trouble as well? And of course, Adam and Eve were no different here. In Genesis 2.16, God tells Adam and Eve that they may eat of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And in Genesis chapter 3, we read that the serpent tempted Eve to eat of that tree. And her and Adam both broke God's commandment by eating the fruit God instructed them not to eat. And ever since this transaction, man has been a fallen creature and sin has been introduced to every single one of us. And we read this throughout the entire Bible, throughout the entire Old Testament. We read the flawed nature of man, and in the last few episodes, we called out some of those specific examples. Uh, We see how man continues to make mistakes. We see how man continues to break God's law and commit sin in their lives. We read this in the Bible, and we know that life today is the exact same way. When God delivered the children of Israel out of slavery in Egypt, God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. And we read throughout the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, God introduced through Moses the law, which is called the law of Moses, being introduced to the children of Israel. This law was to be obeyed and was used to set the children of Israel apart from the world. The law was to be followed to ensure cleanliness amongst the nation of Israel. The problem was that even with the law being introduced, the people were 
still sinful. So something had to be done to atone for the sins of the people. And this problem was presented back in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve fell and has continued ever since. Something has to be done to reconcile a dirty, sin-filled people to a perfect and holy God. So God showed us a temporary solution in the Old Testament until a permanent solution could be given to mankind. And this temporary solution for the atonement of sins of the people was delivered through the process of animal sacrifices. The sacrifice represented a scapegoat in a way. The metaphor here is that something must die and blood must be shed to set something else free. The sacrifice and the blood shedding of the animal offered a temporary solution for the sinful person and offered the person atonement. And this process had to be repeated regularly to ensure the forgiveness of sins was available for the Israelites. But that was a temporary solution. And once we get to the New Testament in the Bible, things change a little bit for the people of God. The New Testament introduces to us a man named Jesus. Jesus lived 33 and a half years on this earth and never sinned once. Jesus was born of the Holy Spirit by the Virgin Mary, an immaculate conception. He came to us as the Son of God and the Son of Man, the second person in the Trinity. We have God the Father, God the Son, which is Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. Jesus presented himself as the spotless Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. His only reason, his sole purpose for being born as a man, a man who stepped out of eternity into time, was to offer a solution for the people of God. John tells us about Jesus and tells us that he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus' death on the cross, the shedding of his blood, represents the new dispensation that we as believers, the spiritual Israel, live in today. We no longer are bound by the law of Moses, nor do we as believers practice this law for the atonement of our sins. And again, we read about that law in the first five books of the Bible. Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy explains that law of Moses. Romans 7 tells us that we are no longer bound to that law. When Christ died on the cross, our sins died with him on that cross. And we can now walk in newness of life and serve God, not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way of living by the Spirit and living in the Spirit. But by living in the Spirit, we we too should accomplish good deeds and good fruit for the kingdom of God. But this doesn't mean that the law of God is sinful, so recognize that as well. And we read that throughout the book of Romans, Romans chapter 7 specifically. Paul tells us in Romans 7 that it was the law that revealed to us and showed us our sins. See guys, this is why it's so important to not ignore the Old Testament. A lot of believers believe that the Old Testament was yesterday's news and that we don't live under the Old Testament anymore. And that's true to a sense. We no longer are bound by the law of Moses. We no longer live and operate by the law of Moses. But Paul tells us here in Romans 7 that it was the law that revealed to us and showed us our sins. That's one of many reasons that, that the Old Testament is so relevant in our lives today. And I hope in the last season, in the rewind season, that we kind of shed some light on that. So the law is still holy and good. And as Paul said, the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human and I'm a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, he continues, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Man, how many of us can relate to this, right? But he continues saying, if I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. The sin that lives within us can control us and cause us to continue sinning and spiraling downward in our lives. Christ's death accomplished so much for us in our lives today. We also now no longer require a priest to intercede on our behalf to the Father in heaven, which is what was required in the Old Testament. And we no longer have to take a lamb to our church services and spill its blood to ensure our sins are forgiven.
heaven. Thank God. Instead, now, because of what Christ accomplished on the cross, his death and his blood was supplied for all the people of the world once and for all. It only took once, and he accomplished it for the entire world. And it only took his perfect death to cause perfect life in each and every one of us. His perfect blood shed was sufficient enough to cover the sins and reconcile a sin-filled people to a perfect and holy God. But we got to do something to tap into that grace and mercy, right? We read about that throughout the, the New Testament. We'll get into some of those specifics a little bit later. But Romans 3, 21 through 23 says, But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are, for everyone has sinned and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. So today, what is salvation and how can we walk it out in our lives? The walk of every Christian begins at this moment, the moment of salvation. And salvation is available to every single person. That's what's beautiful about the salvation that comes through Jesus, that it doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile. It doesn't matter if you're white or black. It doesn't matter if you're tall or short, big or small. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past and who you are right this very second. The only thing that matters is do you believe and are you willing to to lay down your old life and pick up your cross and walk with Christ going forward. That's the beauty of our salvation, and the salvation comes only through Jesus. Acts 4.12 says, There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. So it is only by Jesus that we are saved, and no matter what you've done in your past and no matter where you are right now, we all have that ability to call upon the Lord, and the Lord will always forgive us of our sins. Romans 10.9-13 says, If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As the scripture tells us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jews and Gentiles are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who calls on him, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But believing and declaring Jesus is Lord is not all we must do to maintain and continue walking out our salvation. Yes, salvation begins with that prayer, but we got to do more. We read about this specifically in the book of James, so I want to read a few verses here. James 2, 14 through 26. It says, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who who has no food or clothing, and you say goodbye and have a good day. Stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. Now someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith for you believe that there is one God good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith 
complete. And so it happened just as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Rahab, the prostitute, is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also is faith dead without good works. So understand our salvation comes by faith, but faith should produce good works within us. Salvation should cause us to change and forget our old sinful nature and strive to do better and live better and produce good deeds and produce good fruit along the way. God's gift of grace to us is just that. It's a gift. There is nothing you and I can do to get into heaven. So while the scripture in James said that our faith should produce good works, understand that good works also in and of itself is not salvation either. We read about this in Ephesians. And remember back in James, before we move forward, that faith and good works goes together. So Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says, God saved you by grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. So understand that our salvation is a gift sent by God to all who will call and believe upon him. And if you want to go to heaven when you pass away, Ephesians tells us that good things we do in life are simply not enough. We hear this a lot, that you're a good person, I'm a good person, they're a good person. That's great, but that's not enough according to the Bible, according to the word of God. Titus 3, 5 says, He saved us not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins giving us a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. And of course, we know that's by the death and resurrection of Jesus. Upon salvation, we are born by the Spirit. We are a new creature. The Bible says the old things have passed away and all things become new. This is true salvation. But by being saved, we believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died for our sins, and that he rose from the dead on the third day. And by believing, as Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3, we hear that we must be born again by the Spirit. Not a natural natural birth, but by the Spirit. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. But I challenge you to not stop reading there. We tend to always misconceive our salvation as just a one-time event. Believing, as James said, is a great start, but even the demons believe and tremble, right? And they're still demons. We have to have fruit in our lives after our salvation. We have to strap on the gospel as shoe leather and walk it out. And we have to be on fire for God as well, living for God, maintaining a relationship with him. And Jesus warned us about being a lukewarm Christian, neither being hot or cold in Revelation 3. And we also read about some troubling words from Jesus in Matthew 7 about thinking one thing when God sees us as something else. Matthew 7, 21, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. These are very sobering words from Jesus here. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, listen to that word, on judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. And Jesus said, but I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's law. Man, those are sobering words. 
by our Lord Jesus. Narrow and straight is the way that leads to life and salvation, and few there be that find it. But broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there will be that find it. So how can we maintain our fire? How can we maintain our relationship with Christ to prevent being lukewarm? How do we ensure that through our life we are bearing fruit for God to show others the salvation, the new creation that Christ's death birthed within our lives? The answer is simple. Prayer, staying in the Bible, praising and worshiping our Lord. These three items are constantly repeated to us throughout the Word of God. Salvation is not a one-time prayer that seals our fate for all of eternity. It's the start. It's the beginning of a journey. It's the start. Uh, It's the turning away of the old nature and starting forward as we embark on our life journey with Christ. Salvation starts with a prayer and continues being walked out as shoe leather throughout the entirety of our lives as we continue building a relationship with Christ through communion with Him. The fruit salvation brings is our desire to not want to displease a holy God with our sins. And even though we are sinful and will occasionally commit sin and will occasionally trip and fall, the difference post salvation is that we should no longer live a lifestyle of sin as we did prior to salvation. The fruit of our salvation is the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you that constantly points back to Jesus, what he accomplished on the cross, and what he has done in your life as you took off that old Adam nature and put on the new nature of Christ. As we close out today, remember this, Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus our Lord. Thank God we don't have to shed the blood of lambs anymore at church, right? Thank God we are no longer bound to the law as in the old covenant. Instead, we live not according to the carnal mind or to the carnal flesh because It is enmity against God. Now, according to Romans 8, we walk after the Spirit, according to the Spirit, and put to death the things of the flesh. And we should always remember that salvation is as easy as A, B, C. A, to admit that we have sinned. According to 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. B, to believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that He was sent on this earth to die for our sins on the cross and see to confess and to commit our life to God. Admit that we've sinned, confess our sins, believe that Jesus is just to forgive us of our sins, and then commit our life to Him going forward. And when we miss the mark, when we mess up, we have to remember to pray for God to forgive us of our sins. The blood of Jesus is sufficient to cover our sins, but we must never forget that in order to activate our salvation and the remission of sins, we must seek forgiveness. Friends, I hope you enjoyed this episode today. Aren't you glad that we are in the New Testament? Testament, living in the church age. Man, what a great time we're living in right now. I hope you found some encouragement in this episode today. Friends, we're embarking on part two of our journey through the past, present, and future series. We're in part two talking about present, where we are today, and this is episode one of the new season titled Play and Pause. Guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have Instagram, check out our new Instagram page. Follow us there. If you want to be included in our email subscription newsletter, go to Cast the word.com scroll to the bottom and give us your email address you're not going to be spammed you're not your email is not going to be shared with anyone other than myself and you will be included in our partnership uh, ministry guys thank you so much for joining in today i'm excited about this next season and where we're going to go together stay strong in the faith guys and i look forward to talking to you next time